Mattoon high schoolers went back to school. Central Illinois first responders battled fires and other disasters amid frigid temperatures. More on these stories, I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. And wow, where do we start today? This week, we've had train derailments, fires, freezing temperatures, and much, much more to talk about. But hang tight, because first, we're going to break down some important news coming out of the Illinois State House and Governor's Office. And then we'll head into some local government news and everything else that you love about this podcast. So to start this week, Governor J.B. Pritzker outlined plans for the state's $41.6 billion spending plan, which promises no tax increases for Illinois families. Lee Enterprises Illinois State House reporter Brendan Moore, who is also covering Decatur City Government, rounded up reactions from local state leaders. So if you're curious about what your state senators and representatives are saying about this budget, head on over to any of our three websites, herald-review.com, jg-tc.com, and pantograph.com to read more. We also have additional digital content that breaks down exactly what was included in this budget. In other state news, State Representative Mike Madigan, former Illinois House Speaker, announced this week his plans to resign by the end of the month. The Chicago Democrat has served in the Illinois House for more than 50 years, holding his seat since 1971. Madigan has served as Speaker of the House for 36 of those years, the longest tenure for any state House Speaker in the country, before he lost his bid for a 19th term as Speaker to Emmanuel Chris Welch. Governor Pritzker, lawmakers across the state, and local party officials responded to his re- resignation this week, largely speaking along party lines. We have their reactions and stories on each of our three websites, so be sure to stop by panograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to read more. Now, moving away from state news, Sierra, what's going on in local government? Well, before we get into what happened in local government this week, we have some sad news to report. Uh, Former Bloomington Mayor Judy Markowitz passed away this week at the age of 82. Markowitz, elected as Bloomington's first Jewish mayor, served as the city's 43rd mayor from 1997 to 2005. She is remembered for her passion for public service, having worked in several capacities in city government. Reporters Tim Egger and Kevin Barlow wrote a feature on Markowitz and her life, which can be read at pantograph.com. Uh, we had some other developments in uh, city government in Bloomington, and Kelsey's going to tell us a little bit about what happened with that, uh, which involves the Bloomington Normal Enterprise Zone. The city of Bloomington is expected to hear a proposal that would provide a standardized incentive plan for companies looking to headquarter or expand operations within the Bloomington Normal Enterprise Zone. As part of those incentives, companies could avoid paying local property taxes for up to five years, Panograph reporter Tim Eggert wrote this week. The Enterprise Zone, approved by the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity in 2016, extends a range of local and state benefits to commercial companies for facility expansions, renovations, and other improvements. To read more about the history of this zone and what officials are considering, read Eggert's report at Panograph.com. In health and government news, severe winter weather conditions forced another COVID-19 vaccination clinic in McLean County to be canceled uh, when a shipment of 500 doses was delayed this week, reporter Lindsay Jones wrote. The cancellation affects at least 900 people who are planning to get vaccinated this week, some of whom had already been rescheduled for their second dosage. The health department plans to email people individually for rescheduling. 
but this is the second time winter weather has caused vaccination clinics to delay, but four uh, clinics are still scheduled for next week. To read more about this story and how it will affect the county's vaccination plan, read Jones's report at pantograph.com. Uh, and with that, we're going to go into some education news where we got some developments going on in that tune. And Kelsey's going to tell us all about that first day of school uh, of 2021 in person. That's right. Mattoon High Schoolers were welcomed back to the first full day of in-person classes since the COVID-19 pandemic came to Illinois 11 months ago. Previously, half of Mattoon High School students had been attending in person Monday and Tuesday, and the other half had been attending on Thursday and Friday. But now all students are on campus at the same time, uh, though the district is still offering fully remote learning as an option. To help students catch up academically with all the pandemic disruption, the district also plans to launch tutoring programs for all students kindergarten through seniors. These efforts include a power hour tutoring for all K-8 students during the day and a stretch time tutoring for K-12 students who need some extra assistance after school. The power hours started Thursday and the stretch time will begin Monday. For more information about the tutoring and to read about how the first full day back to school went this week, be sure to head over to jg-tc.com to read Rob Stroud's stories. As more Central Illinois schools open their doors back to students, Pantograph reporter Lindsay Jones picked up on an interesting trend, touchless water fountains. Hygiene and sanitation have been among the biggest focuses for buildings this school year, and now in addition to mask wearing and frequent wipe downs, schools have taped off their traditional touch-based water fountains in favor of those made for refilling water bottles. Um, Andy Walsh, assistant superintendent at Olympia Schools, said that when they were planning for students to return, administration strategized ways to reduce frequent touch points, which included a move toward water bottle fillers. Several school districts across central Illinois reported the shift, installing more bottle fillers and, in some cases, using grants to do so. To find out more, be sure to read Jones's report at pantycraft.com, herald-review.com, or jg-tc.com since she reached out to plenty of schools across the region. Um, that being said, I don't know if people are like, ooh, this is a good thing or not. Um, I personally like water bottle fillers in my water fountains. Um, I think they're a nice addition. I like to fill it. I always like to fill up my water bottles and it's so annoying when you have those, like the ones that you, you have to awkwardly angle your bottle. Oh my God. Okay. That being said, Kelsey's going to tell us a little bit about, um, a beloved Panagraph sports columnist. Randy Kindred might be a well-known name to some longtime Panagraph readers, or maybe somehow his name slipped under your radar, but he spent 42 years at the Panagraph before retiring as a sports editor last March. But we didn't lose him entirely, because even though he's not in the newsroom or on the sidelines anymore, he's still been writing stellar columns for us the entire time. This week, he told the story of a Roanoke Benson baseball coach slash driver's ed teacher and another column about the infectious spirit of a local golfer who recently passed after suffering congenital heart failure. I know those aren't very in-depth explanations, but really I'm just taking this as an opportunity to tell you all that Randy's columns are so incredibly interesting and well-written that no matter what I said, I couldn't do him the justice that he deserves. Please go check out his work at Panagraph.com because he's seriously an amazing storyteller and he doesn't just tell sports stories, he tells like human stories that they'll sneak up on you and suddenly you're crying over the sports section. I mean, by you, I mean me such a good writer it's seriously check him out it's you won't regret it 
This week, the University of Illinois launched a new program called Influence in all capital letters in an effort to prepare student athletes for name, image, and likeness policy changes. This program will help prepare Illini athletes to quote-unquote influence their brands and platforms, educating students on brand strategy and development, business innovation and entrepreneurship, and financial literacy. The program uses a program called Open Doors Ready, which is currently uh, partnered with 20 athletic departments nationwide and used by more than 30,000 athletes. Uh, this seems like a pretty cool program for student athletes who are preparing to further their career in sports. So if you want to read more about what this opportunity is and uh, what it does, head on over to herald-review.com to read the full story. Eastern Illinois men and women's basketball teams closed their season this weekend with a road trip. Both teams were set to play Murray State on Thursday, continuing on against Austin P on Saturday. Sports editor Justin Kahn broke down what the teams are expected to face this weekend and how the past few games have turned out. Make sure you're keeping up with the latest sports news coming out of EIU and check out JGTC's coverage at jg-tc.com. Uh, for the record, Murray State is my alma mater and Austin P was our rival, so... I don't know who to cheer for in all this. I guess Eastern. Okay. After waiting 14 months to play football after the loss of its fall season, Illinois State University unfortunately had its season opener delayed due to severe winter weather. Panograph reporter Randy Reinhardt wrote this week. Uh, the Redbirds were scheduled to play Wednesday in the Missouri Valley Football Conference at Missouri State, but the game was rescheduled for April 17th at Plaster Stadium in Springfield, Missouri. The team will kick off its season officially on February 27th in a home game against South Dakota. Uh, to read more about the game, the, re the game reschedules and what happened in weather this week, read Reinhardt's report at Panograph.com. In a similar vein, the Fighting Illini re received some disappointing news this week. Uh, the team was scheduled to kick off its fall season on August 28th against the University of Nebraska at Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. But after extensive consultation with the Irish government and medical authorities, the universities have officially canceled the unique international trip. Uh, the game instead will be played at Memorial Stadium in Champaign, and you can read all about what this means for the players at herald-review.com. And now we're going to head into some public safety news, which we had no shortage of this weekend. A busy weekend starting Saturday morning, well, last Saturday morning, when a Union Pacific train derailed near Uptown, blocking off several major intersections. Fortunately, no injuries were reported when 17 cargo cars derailed, spilling mixed paper materials and damaging a few power lines. As crews worked through sub-zero temperatures to clear the railroad, a few fires cropped up but were easily put out by the normal firefighters. Crews this week worked through the snow to remove debris as well. We've covered this story pretty extensively, so check out reports from Sierra Henry and Kevin Barlow to read all about what happened, the fires, and the photos. We also have several videos from the scene and more. Just two hours after that train derailed, firefighters were called to Sugar Creek Apartments to battle a large structure fire that destroyed several student apartments and displaced many students. Panagraph reporter Kevin Barlow wrote this week that firefighters determined the fire was caused by repair work being performed inside a lower level apartment. This was a very serious fire which spread quickly through the inside of the apartment building, the walls, and extended into the building's attic before the fire department could respond. We're following the developments closely, so keep up with all the latest at panagraph.com. 
just want to say great reporting from Kevin and the rest of the Panagraph staff this weekend, including Lenore Sabota and myself, not to toot my own horn. I did go out to the, the train derailment side, though I was only there for um, a few minutes. It's really all up to Kevin and who was... I, I don't really I don't even know how he handled it. There's just so so much going on, and then great work to like the normal firefighters and uh, first responders who like responded to the scene because I mean it was just crazy. Um, these stories are always so difficult to write about, but what's amazing is that we always have community members stepping up and offering help when times are tough. And hopefully we'll have some more stories coming out later, uh, early next week about more on the Sugar Creek fires and more information about the. Uh, Union Pacific train that derailed. Uh, but with that, uh, there was some other things going on in Decatur along the same lines with like fires. And Kelsey's going to tell us about it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Decatur firefighters saw some flames this week too. Of course they did. It's winter. On Monday, winter weather made a house fire call all the more difficult, fire officials reported, with wind chill values between 9 and 19 degrees and gusts up past 20 miles per hour. Fire Chief Jeff Abbott said it was like a blowtorch out of the back of the house. That is quite a quote. Um, the firefighters weren't able to get inside initially because of the size and the amount of flames, Herald and Review reporter Garrett Karsten wrote. Uh, the residents made it out safely, but given the amount of damage, the house was considered a total loss. Garrett had two stories on the fire on this fire this week, one with his initial reporting and the second focused on how firefighters battled the blaze in extreme weather conditions. Go to herald-review.com to find both of those plus loads of photos and a video. JG TC reporter Dave Fopay this week detailed challenges facing the Charleston Fire Department during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, at the start of the pandemic, people might have thought that uh, slower times were facing police departments and first responders with more people staying indoors, uh, Fopay wrote, but Fire Chief Steve Bennett put that idea to rest. Uh, this past year was a busy one for the fire department, which received 4,688 medical calls last year and responded to 28 building fires. Uh, there was more than just the 4,000 calls, of course. There was, they, in total, they received like more than 5,000 calls, but just to compare, 4,688 of those calls were medical-centered alone. Uh, the department also worked closely with the city government on several projects, including an effort to obtain uh, equipment for the city to make its own hand sanitizer, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, to read more about what the Charleston Fire Department did this past year and more about our first responders and the challenges they faced during responding to such a massive event, read Fopay's story at jg-tc.com. Uh, so now we're going to go into some community news. We've got a lot of weather talk, a lot of other kinds of talk. So Kelsey, tell me what happened. I think we all know what happened just because of how cold it is. And you can obviously see it on the ground. There's a lot of snow, but take it away. Okay, so in case you missed it, it's February and the winter weather hit real hard this week. In central Illinois, snow accumulations range from four and a half inches in this initial storm to nine and a half inches, depending on where you're at in the region. But arguably more important than the snow was the wind chill that knocked the high down to just barely any degrees. I think the highs were like four. I don't know exactly, but it was it very, made, very- <laughs> it, made 12, it made 12 degrees feel warm. I literally said several times, uh, I think it was Wednesday, I'm like, wow, it's so warm today. It was 17 degrees. I called that warm out loud in front of people. 
So with the uh, super cold temperatures, did you want to talk about the train and the cold and oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like not uh, more public safety, you know, news. Like I couldn't even fit this all in when we were talking about the train derailment and all that. But like our firefighters, like in normal and probably in that or in uh, Decatur as well. I think Garrett hit it a little bit in, in one of his stories. But um, like our firefighters, when they were responding to the Sugar Creek apartments, like Fire Chief Mick Humor was talking about it during the normal town council meeting. They, their fire hoses froze and they had to like, they couldn't, they had to defrost those like in the station. And then the ladders that they used to fight the fires, you know, also froze. So they had to drive back to the station with like the, the ladder sticking out in front of them, which was, which was pretty crazy. That's just how cold it is. And they were battling all of these like intense fires and just trying to deal with all these disasters and temperatures that were like wind chill negative 25 degrees uh, negative 30 degrees just crazy mad um mad props to our firefighters this week so so proud of them um but yeah like illinois was dealing with our own stuff but there was also like all, all across the united states but also in texas uh, yeah so while we here in illinois you know have the infrastructure to handle our winters because you know we've been around the block we know what we're doing much of texas has faced blackouts some rolling and some lasting days uh my dad is actually down there at the southern tip of the state and as of thursday he hadn't had power or water for about 80 hours i think last time i checked on him uh many folks without power have gone to hotels and a lot of mutual aid donation sites have popped up online to help people get food and just survive this um i'd say that's partially because texas was not prepared for the amount of snow they got which um way more than they're used to uh kevin barlow and i talked to some former central illinoisans that now live down in the lone star state who were given you know a blast from the past with the sudden winter weather that story is up on panagraph.com but all of our websites have coverage of the crisis in texas which is complicated by the energy sources the state draws from it's a complicated situation and you know while we midwesterners like to sometimes dunk on the southerners for not knowing how to handle snow i do have to say this is not something to joke about this is a very dangerous situation it's, it's a bad time yeah they, no. don't have the they don't have the infrastructure to deal with it i can understand if like you know it's it's like one thing to be like ah oh, texas are freaking out over a little bit of snow but they just don't have the infrastructure to handle it their houses aren't built for this weather they don't have salt machines well they probably i don't know they, i would guess that they wouldn't have salt machines or like as many or as many salt machines and snow plows as you would need to like deal with this kind of weather so it's just like you can't you can't uh, yeah, as one of the, I talked to a some a woman who went to ISU and then she went lived in, worked in Pekin for a while. And now she lives in Austin, which they've had some rolling blackouts. My cousin's there too. I got mad ties in Texas, but at the end of the day, nine degrees is nine degrees. So like, this is not. Oh, the South can't handle an inch and a half of snow. This is a lot of snow and it's very cold. But so that's all a lot of heavy. Um, completely. In other news, I want to talk about Mars. So Thursday, okay, to be honest, we're recording a little bit early. So I'm really excited about this because it is Thursday and Thursday afternoon, the Perseverance rover 
touchdown on Mars. Successful touchdown, nothing broke. It was a beautiful moment. Um, I watched part of the live stream, though, I mean, I had to stop and, like, you know, do my job. But it was so exciting, and seeing Mission Control, like, literally cheer when it, when they, it broke off parts of, the parts of it that it didn't need anymore, even those little moments that might be little moments for the non-science viewer at home, but it was a huge deal to them. They've worked on this project for a long time. Uh, this rover took off in 2020, so it's been called the 2020 rover for a long time, but its official name is Perseverance. Um, I want to call it Percy, but yeah, it's very exciting, and it's uh, supposed to be up there looking for signs of ancient life, and um, the technology on this one is, I believe it's supposed to be way better than the Curiosity, which... Is Curiosity the one that died in the dust storm? I think it was, which was the saddest last message ever. But yeah, I love space, man. I just really love space, and I love thinking about space and like the planets and the stars. I like ancient life forms aside. It's it's so. There's been a lot of space news. I feel like in the past year, especially with like the quote unquote roundabout way of like saying aliens <laughs> exist i guess i don't even think that's that's not exactly what the u.s government said it's what the u.s government said <laughs> it's not it's not what the u.s government said but they did say that there are like unidentified objects that they're just like nah, i don't know what this is which i think is, is kind of interesting um but yeah i i think space is i think space is interesting too i just but yeah i yeah. i love space um i looking at the stars is my favorite thing on earth and um i just it's very this rover is very exciting to me because they're, they're gonna find out so much more about martian history and like the way the planet came to be and like how it's grown over the years and like the more they know about other planets that also helps them more learn more about us which you know humans are self-centered it's we're we are what we're about at the end of the day um so yeah i just congratulations to the nasa team that worked so hard on this i think it's called the jet propulsion lab i should know that with more divinity but i don't but yay science yay mars yay perseverance so that's going to do it for us today folks if you're enjoying this podcast and our reporting as always check us out at apple Podcasts or spotify we're also on google podcasts and while you're at it head on over to pantograph.com herald-review.com and jj-tc.com to uh, look at subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism <laughs>